Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for This Week in Google is provided by Cashfly. C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This is Twig. This Week in Google, episode 93, recorded May 4th, 2011. Gina Unplugged. This Week in Google is brought to you by Carbonite. Backing up the files on your PC or Mac is safe and easy with Carbonite. For a free trial plus two free months with purchase, go to Carbonite.com. Offer code TWIG. And by Netflix. Watch thousands of TV episodes and movies streamed to your PC, Mac, or TV instantly. Plus, get DVDs by mail in about one business day. For your free 30-day trial, go to Netflix.com slash twit. It's time for Twig this week in Google. And joining us in the Googleverse, in the Plex, if you will, Miss Gina Trapani. She's actually in the Brooklyn. I'm in the Brooklyn. Yeah. You can... Howdy, howdy. Howdy, howdy. Out there for a uh, think How up. How you doing? Think How up you stuff. Doing? Uh, How yeah, are you yeah, doing? Out in town, meeting up with expert labs. Yeah, how you doing? How you Five doing? <laughs> did, did you ever have an accent? <laughs> Give me the slice. Five dollars. Did you talk like that? Uh, I... I, I did, and I worked really hard in college to get rid of it. And now it comes out when I'm very angry or very passionate. So I'm sure Ooh. you'll hear it mm. at some point. Well, if you, I, I think thing I is broke funny. out the accent. That, that's like a scene for a movie. <laughs> you know she loves me when she starts sounding like that. Oh, baby, baby, I'm doing. What are you doing? talking about? <laughs> what you talking about? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Hey. Like that, that's, a, that's a typical thing I'll come out. What are you can, talking about? Can you do the whole thing in uh, Brooklyn today? <laughs> it's the thing I can't do it on demand. Like it just becomes it's like this primitive. It's like the id. You know what I mean? Like I, it's this early version of myself before I went to college and decided it didn't sound educated. And oh, tried to, so educated now. Yeah, she you know, sounds it, so small. You know, Poughkeepsie, New York. It'll do it to you. Scrub out that uh, Brooklyn accent. <laughs> I don't know. Really? <laughs> also here, you probably noticed Jeff Jarvis. He is a, a professor of journalism at the City University of New York. And uh, Bob blogs at buzzmachine.com, the author of What Would Google Do? I had one of your uh, former students, Karina, in here. Karina. Oh, really? Yeah, she uh, took a job. You told her, don't, whatever you do, don't take a job in a newspaper. So she took <laughs> a job with patch.com, which is AOL's kind of hyper-local news. Right. Is she covering the town? She covers Petaluma at petaluma.patch.com. Cool, Just wrote an article about me. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I think it was really cool to uh, see her and uh, and hear that she was a... A Jarvisite. A CUNY graduate school journalism. There's the sign behind me, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess uh, the big story of the week, the year, probably the decade, is uh, the Osama bin Laden uh, site, or, or uh, uh, assassination, I should say. But the interesting thing, of course, is all of the Google stuff. Uh, I immediately, actually, when it happened, went to uh, Google Maps, and, and somebody had marked his compound. <laughs> and uh, people have been, ever since, have been reviewing his compound with nasty reviews. <laughs> <laughs> but there's actually some genuine uh, value here um, to it, because uh, Google Earth has also uh, been, uh, been Ladenized, and people are doing 3D SketchUp renderings of the compound that are i think fairly accurate that you can see on google maps <laughs> i'm like 
for sale, I mean, open house. <laughs> <laughs> the instant, you know, shtick, the joking, the analysis, the interaction that happened that night. I mean, it was amazing on Twitter awesome. and, you know, and everywhere. I mean, the fact that, that by the time you got to where you thought the compound was on maps, it had already been marked. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's amazing. I mean, it's like it's Wikipedia, except it's everywhere. You know, for me, I was, I was on Twitter most of the time. Yeah, um, so you know, waiting for the president to speak, you know, for a good hour or so. He was I, he was pretty late. I would say all of us learned that the the that the president's security speech, which was to come an hour or so later, was most likely going to be that they had got Bin Laden mm -hmm. uh, from Twitter. Yeah. Well, yep. uh, Mashable did a, did a survey um, in cooperation with USA Today, so it's one of those unscientific surveys, both because it's USA Today and because it's the Mashable audience, but. Uh, as I remember the numbers, 14% uh, of that audience learned about it on TV, 18% on Facebook, and uh, Twitter was 43%. Interesting. Which says a lot. Yeah, I mean, Th we've... that audience is super skewed. That, but, it's but that yeah. audience, yeah, it is. But it, but it, but it says it's possible. And, and 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 you know what struck me? I, I had a reporter from Reuters uh, ping me and ask if this was a defining moment for Twitter. And I thought, well, okay, you know, the yes, 20th. another yeah, one. Sure. <laughs> uh, you know, every, every day is a new defining moment for Twitter. Right. But as I thought about it, trying to, you know, say something quotable, which is what I do, um, uh, you know, I, I realized that I was watching Twitter in the foreground and TV was on in the background. Oh, that's a big deal. And yes. TV just repeats and repeats and repeats. The other thing that really struck me is because they were starting to show the scenes from White House, and then later, of course, Ground Zero and and Times Square, and um, I said my my quote to her that I then retweeted because you only have so many good lines is that Twitter was the Times Square of this Victory Day. Oh, that's good. We all wanted to go and be with yeah. people, and that's what we did on Twitter. Instead of uh, kissing a nurse in Times Square, I went you to uh, Osama's compound. It looks now there's a bunch of of darts in here. Uh, and a lot of reviews. There was only one when I first went there. Yeah, uh, you know, being here in New York, my first instinct was, I want to get on the train and go to Ground Zero right now. Oh, and I it bet. Wasn't until, yeah, I mean, it wasn't until my boss and Neil, who's much, who's a much more reasonable and thoughtful person than I am, when he started to say, I mean, I mean, the conversation about the way that people were reacting, I mean, this was just happening at light speed. First, the death certificate, birth certificate jokes happened before Obama you know, was right. even near making the announcement. And then, um, you know, this like, I want to go there and be with people. I'm going to get silly string and like throw the beach balls around too. It's like, oh, maybe, maybe that isn't the, you know, the appropriate response. What is the appropriate response? How do I feel? I mean, it was just, it happened so quickly. Yeah. Uh, such a small span of time. I was thinking about, I was thinking about, you know, I was here in New York on, on September 11th. I know you were too, Jeff. And I know you, you wrote about it and you tweeted about where you were standing. I, I thought about that day and I thought about what, how would that day have been different if there oh. had been Twitter, it would have been so different. I mean, I would have felt a sense of connection. I remember there, just a sense of panic and loneliness. Like, I'm not going to be able to get back across the river to my family because the phones are jammed and I can't even call my wife or call my mom. Like, it was this disconnection. But, you know, if, if Twitter had been working, although I don't know if data connections would have been working <laughs> either, um, it would have been a different experience. So, Well, as a mess so, to Twitter, it might have been working. You know, it was... Uh, uh, yeah, and, and, and I think that people would have had a very different view of the event. People witnessed the event from rooftops three miles away. It was, it was yes. you know, smoke going that's, up. Yeah, that's where I was. You know, the scenes that I saw, it was since that day, I, I missed, there are these scenes that are seared in my brain, many of which I don't want to recall, but, but some that are amazing, and I had no camera. And I started yes. carrying the camera in my bag every day since then. Of course, now Me all of a sudden. Me too. Yeah. And,
And so, you know, what, what would have been recorded and seen, you know, the, there was this wonderful project called, uh, I think it was called Here is New York, that was a collection of photos that were from there, that mm -hmm. uh, is a giant book and it's magnificent. And I, I obsessed about the photos trying to, because it was just so odd what was happening. Uh, for those who don't know, I was, a, uh, I was in the last train into the World Trade Center. I stayed around like an idiot as a journalist, uh, which is synonymous. <laughs> And I was a block away from the South Tower when it came down. So I was one of those guys who was, you know, covered in stuff. Covered in and, soot, yeah. And it's such a surreal, strange thing that you had to kind of remind yourself what this was like. And so if, if there had been thousands of cameras there, mm. uh, live, telling the world what was happening there, it would have been terribly, terribly different. Yep. And, yep. Uh, and, I, I mean, yeah. that's why I started blogging. Really? You know, it was like, I, Same here. Really? Because everything had changed. Everything had changed. The city had changed. You changed. Everything changed. So after that, I was like, I became obsessed with writing everything down because, because I have to remember it, you know. And, wow. and just you know, the, I mean, the, the whole experience was just. And that's when I start. Yeah, that's when I started blogging. I started my personal blog in a, a month or two later. And Jeff, you started blogging because of 9/11 as well, I started days right? later because I had more. To, I wrote a story. If you if you go to my blog, uh, there's a post uh, high up that that has the link to the story that I wrote. And then I had more to say the next day. I thought honestly I was going to blog for a few days, a few weeks, mm -hmm. just to mm -hmm. get it out of my system. Right? Then it, it, mm -hmm. it, you know, little did I know, it changed my view of media, my career, and my life. Mm -hmm. uh, and all of that was out of 9-11. Out of and wow. uh, there's also a link there to the audio that I recorded from, from the day that, that I was there. And it, the original blog was titled uh, War Log, World War III, which was you know, kind of rather of the time. And I was part of one of the original war bloggers. Wow, that's the story. Wow. That I wrote. Uh, and yeah, so it all you know. That's you're right, Gina. It it it, it Bin Laden's killing just just for me. I think the same for you. It just went full circle and brought out all these memories and all these visions and yeah emotions in yep, new ways. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I was really happy, but then it was like, you know, I lost a family friend and, you know, he's still gone and now Bin Laden's gone. You know, it doesn't bring anybody back. It's just someone else. Yeah, it was, it was lots of, well, whatever. I don't mean this to turn into a therapy session, but it was very <laughs> complex as it was for well, everybody. <laughs> and the other thing about Twitter, too, I think was, was fascinating to me was that, uh, you know, I, I wanted to know what was happening at the World Trade Center. I, want, I wanted to go there. My heart was there and I, and I, I you know, couldn't. Uh, more, far more important was take my daughter to school the next day. And... Uh, but Matt Bishop, who's the New York bureau chief for The Economist, uh, said, I'm going to World Trade. So, you know, said pictures. And he sent pictures and he sent vision. And it was so great to have that. And, of course, the great story out of all this was the, was the technician, you know, an old news now with the technician in Abbottabad who tweeted the event. Yeah, that was yes. amazing. And got hacked that after that. Oh, he did? I didn't know that part of it. Well, he, you know, his blog got a lot of traffic. So he was uh, sitting, I guess, sitting in a uh, coffee shop. And he said, there's helicopters uh, uh, flying over. Uh, I wish I had my big swatter to, to fly it, swat it away. And then he said, oh, there was a big boom. I hope this doesn't uh, presage something horrible happening. Uh, he actually, yeah, he basically live tweeted it, not knowing yeah. at any point what it was till the next day. Which just but says that, you can't keep anything secret. No kidding. Yeah, it's true. No kidding. I'm on reserve power, so I may cut out uh -oh. any moment. Okay, now. so if Gina loses uh, her Skype connection to us, she'll just phone in. You'll, I'll call in. She'll sound like she's on the phone, but other than that, she'll still be her same scintillating self. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I mean, it, it really, it's funny how 10 years has been a, a, a sh such a huge shift from the CNN era to the, the 
is it the Twitter era? Is it the Not social quite. media? Twitter's just part of it, yeah. right? But but yeah, I think that it, it it changes the whole thing. You know, the other thing that that I've been saying lately, I don't know if I said on the show yet, is that after watching a Larry Lessig video recently, that he talked about how the architecture of the web is something we don't take and pay enough attention to. And I realized that in Twitter, news is now mimicking finally the architecture of the internet. It's going end to end. That that the that the witness over here and the the world over here can talk to each other. The journalist doesn't need to be there anymore. Can be, can add value. But well, it's end that, to end. that would be my my question about it all. Does it? Is there an advantage? What do we gain? Do we do we get gain a better understanding of it? I mean, certainly more immediate. We gain witnesses. We gain perspective. We gain questions. We gain nut jobs managed, you know, to push their their death or BS around. Luckily on Twitter, you can unfollow it. Um, yeah, I think we gain mainly the witnesses. I think that's what we gain. Now there were no witnesses to this event, but you gain witnesses who are in, you know, at the World Trade Center and things like that, and that has value. And background and context, I found myself reading the Bin Laden uh, obituary that the Times published. Like I, I went to the Times. I mean, I was on Twitter and listening to all the crack, you know, all the jokes and all the you know feelings and all that stuff. But then I went to the Times and was like, I want to read the yes. story. I want to, you know, I watched the president. And I read that obituary. I learned things that I didn't know about him. It just, you know, I think there's 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 context and depth. I think that you, that you get. Yeah, the, but you still go to the main the, the mainstream media sources for reporting and factual sure. information, vetted information. But you get it. But the but the colors are filled in uh, by the social yeah, it's a media. Yeah, place we can talk about it. And yeah, and reaction right. and. Uh, Right. I mean, the key was that, you know, the, the grand national experiences we had before really amounted to us all happening to watch the same show at the same time. Right. right? Kennedy is killed and we're all watching, we're all watching Cronkite announce it. Right. And and that that passed people mourn the passing of that and say that we don't have that thing that brings us together. Well, we have things that bring us together in far better ways now. Right. Uh, of course, it was the largest sustained throughput on Twitter, not the largest single uh, uh, tweets per second that uh, goes to the Japanese New Year of all things, uh, but the largest sustained tweets per second well, over a period of an hour or so. And Google says they saw a one million percent increase in searches for Bin Laden. So that's interesting too. It means that we not only go to Twitter and the New York Times, but we then do s searches. Are we looking for current stories? Are we looking to research Bin Laden, or are we looking for pictures? What are we looking for? Yeah. Um, between and this is between seven thirty right. and eight thirty p.m. So that was when the news broke over Twitter. So what that is is people saying, "Here, oh, I know what it is." They read the tweet and they go, "What?" And they are and and they're going to Google to find the news story. So that does and now validate. The universal search has it right. That's right. Good. They know they know news is going to be part of search now. They and that validates uh, the fact that we still want to go back to a mainstream source. That's actually a good sign because it, it is. It is. You know, you want to, you hear it on Twitter doesn't mean it's true, so you want to validate it. It is a very different uh, experience that we have. But I, 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 the reason I ask that question uh, is because I wonder if there's this, if it's a substantive change or if it's just well, now we have this additional stuff. Does it really add to our understanding of an event? It certainly adds to the the color of it. But it is a good, I, a I think so. I absolutely do think so. But again, it's it, the, the difference is whether it's a, an event in which the witnesses add a lot. Yeah, there not. were no witnesses. You know, if the Navy SEALs were tweeting, right? <laughs> yeah, something I that mean, will never happen. That's ever. not going to happen. I don't think Navy SEALs tweet. But I think, I think Gina's right, too. I think you start to get a sense of the mood about this 
You know, I was surprised when it, it didn't register with me when people started showing up at the White House gates chanting USA, USA and being happy. And, you know, I got it pretty quickly. I'm not stupid, but, I, but, but I, that was not my reflex. It was kind of like, oh, well, at last. And, you know, I feel a little bad for myself that I'm no longer a pacifist, and, but that's the reason why. Um, and, and being able to talk to other people and react to it, I think, I think Gina's right that, you know, getting that color of the country's mood is something you could not have gotten before. You also get made up quotes from Martin Luther King and others. <laughs> well, right. <laughs> That's just a natural yeah, human I was, urge. I was guilty of retweeted that. Did you retweet the MLK <laughs> I was, quote? I retweeted, yeah, I retweeted the, the Twain quote. Was a Twain was not, quote made not, up as well? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Yep. They were just I a little so too uh, apropos, a little too right on. Yeah, yeah. You know, when I it was funny because I initially felt triumph and saw people showing up at the gate, and I thought, wow, I'm feeling more patriotic than I felt, in, you know, in a really long time. And then I started to see people on Twitter question celebrating a death like that, and then and I started to sort of realign and be like, that's true. Do I, you know, do I want to celebrate? I have mixed feelings about this. It's not just triumph. So it helped me. Certainly, it helped me work through the thought process a little sooner because mm -hmm. I was listening to lots of different people talk about their reactions and and you know otherwise i would have just been watching tv and seen thousands of people chanting right. usa you know who would have been in diapers you know 10 years ago or 10 years old 10 years ago megan mccardle writing for the atlantic did the i guess she did the original research that said no martin luther king never said that but she pointed out and i think this is really true it was a way for whoever created that fabricated that quote is a way for them to say something that they didn't feel safe to say uh with their own words which is you know, I mourn the loss of uh, thousands of precious lives, but it's, you know, hard to mourn a, a single person or hard to celebrate a single person's death. And um, that w that's kind of politically incorrect to say at a moment like that. Let me get the quote exactly right. I mourn the loss of thousands of precious lives, but I will not rejoice in the death of one, not even an enemy. Uh, so, you're trying hard to get the quote right where, where the quote isn't right. I know. The <laughs> fake quote. Let me get the fake quote right. But, but she makes this point, which is... Uh, that it, it was a way for somebody to say something that was otherwise hard to say. So, you know, it's not... So, it's, now Now they're saying, by the way, not malicious, but mangled. Uh, I don't know. Mm. But Gina, Gina, go back to what you're saying. I, I, it was kind of therapy for me. And my, my first tweet was ding dong. Yes, I, I saw, saw that. And I was like, yeah. The wicked witch is dead. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. And, then, and then I, you know, turned around and I said pretty quickly, this is the moment to remember his victims. And then I turned around, and the anger came back out, and I, I to clean it up, just said my entire tweet was effer. Yep. You know, and it was it was it was a back and forth just for me because Twitter is so immediate that the emotions just just are going to come out. Mm-hmm. Like yep. me, hit me, I don't care. It's going to be me. Right. So, yep. so it, it was actually quite interesting. The next day, uh, and I missed this, otherwise I would have said it right up front. Megan McCardle followed up. She's the business and economics editor for the Atlantic on how this quote came about. And actually on Facebook was a much longer quote, which is from Martin Luther King, except for that first sentence, which was the one <laughs> retweeted. And uh, she found out who folks posted it first, a 24-year-old Penn State graduate who teaches English to middle schoolers in Kobe, Japan, um, Jessica Dovey. And uh, someone stripped and pasted the quote and stripped out the quotation marks. In other words, took her 
her writing. Oh, it was her. Ah. So she yeah. said, I will more. And then, in quotes, put more from MLK. Somebody missed the fact that, missed that subtlety. That happened ah. so often. Probably because they needed the one character to retweet it. Yeah, uh, too many <laughs> characters, yeah. So uh, that's that's kind of, uh, but that, that's good you know, reporting. That's great good. reporting. And um, Megan's good. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. So I, I, I retweeted the I never wished a man dead, but I've read some obituaries with great pleasure quote from Twain. The Twain but it was quote. actually uh, uh, Clarence Darrow. So the attribution was, was incorrect. So, But these things get corrected pretty quickly, too. That's what that, you know, you, I'm optimist and triumphalist that I am. Uh, it comes back around, and the Internet is also pretty quick at correcting things. Yep. Not in everyone's mind, but at least in sensible minds. Yeah. It's, it's, quite, it's quite a fascinating uh, process, part of the telephone game that we're all playing <laughs> these days. Um, let's take a break and come back with more. I think that we've uh, talked about this a little bit uh, enough. Yep. Um. Gee, a real upper for the beginning of the show here, but uh, well, it was—it's the story, isn't it? Yeah. It's the story. It's you can't not do it. And uh, yeah, we had to. We have to talk about it. In, well, first of all, because both of you were there uh, in 2001, but also uh, because um, it really That's is the reason why we're here. It, it's the reason <laughs> yeah. why you're there. Yeah. It's right exactly, because you Gina. you started writing because of that. It gave you a voice. Yep. Which I think is very interesting. Yep. Uh, I did not know that about either of you, both of you. It's kind of interesting. But it's also... Where were the, you, Gina? Where were you when it hit? She's frozen. That's what she she's is. She's frozen. She's going to call. She's going to call in. She's lost her batteries, died. We'll get her on. And I, I would like to know that. I, now we know that Jeff was literally in a building next door, uh, which must have been uh, just very scary. Zeri. Yeah. I can only imagine. Um, and we'll get Gina and find out where she was. Before we do that, though, I would like to take a break. Maybe we all need a little break right now and talk a little bit about Carbonite.com. There are all kinds of disasters, some of them little, some of them obviously quite big. But the disaster you don't want to have happen to you is the data on your hard drive lost forever. Just think of what's on there. Your first blog posts, your pictures of your kids being born, your wedding pictures, your financial records. I mean, I can go on and on. It's all on there. And unfortunately, so many of us just don't make a copy. We don't back it up. It's just too much trouble or we forget to or we don't know how to. And yeah, you may have an external hard drive that you back things up to once in a while. But really, what you really need is an automatic backup that's off-site on multiple servers in multiple locations. That's when your data is really safe, and that's what Carbonite does so beautifully, so elegantly. If you go to Carbonite.com right now, you can sign up free for two weeks just to see what happens. Use the offer code TWIG, T-W-I-G, so we get credit. Uh, you'll put the software on your Mac or your PC, and whenever you're online, it just backs up. It trickles it off because it doesn't want to slow you down with your, you know, your Internet access. It doesn't want to slow your computer down. So it's very polite in the background. It trickles it up. Depending on how much data you have, it may take some time to get that first backup done. From then on, you're always backed up. And you can always check that data anywhere you go just by going to Carbonite.com and logging in from any computer or with a smartphone. They've got BlackBerry, Android, and uh, iOS applications that are free. And you can see your data. It's really cloud storage in addition to backup. If you decide to buy it, it's it's the most affordable solution. If you price all the other solutions, you'll see that at $59 a year for everything on your internal drive, there is no better 
price, no better value. That's 16 cents a day for true peace of mind. Try it free for two weeks. Carbonite.com, offer code TWIG. And if you decide to buy, use, I'm sorry, offer code TWIG, T-W-I-G. And if you decide to buy, use TWIG again, and uh, they'll give you 14 months for the price of 12. An additional two months free from Carbonite.com. When disaster strikes, be prepared with Carbonite. you got to back it up to get it back. Do it right with Carbonite.com. Gina, are you on the phone now? Hey, can you hear me? Yeah. Awesome. Sorry about that. That's fine. This works just as well. Gina lost her power or didn't have her power supplies lifted at work. So her battery died. I get more camera time. <laughs> it just means I can, I can leave the leave the camera on Right now, on it's Jeff. all mine. <laughs> I, I, this is why I love doing Twig. There's always a plan B, which I really appreciate. And C and D. I just have learned that nothing ever works right. Nothing ever works. you got to plan for failure. Like Netflix, right? <laughs> I, always, I always, always plan to fail. I never fail to plan. So uh, Jeff asked you uh, when, we, when, you, when you disappeared, where were you on September 11th? Um, at the time, I was working at a company that was located on Hudson and Spring. So I actually was, I was on my way into work uh, when, the second, when the second plane hit. So I was on the F train, which is one of the only trains that goes outside and is elevated in Brooklyn. Wow. So, so I was on the F train, and everyone had stopped and was at the windows because the first tower was smoking. So it looked like there was a fire, you know. But then the second plane hit, you know, but we didn't see the plane. We just saw the explosion. Uh, and then the train went underground. Mm. So everybody on the car was just like, what is going on? And, you know, I, I so I, you know, I stayed on the train and I, I arrived in Manhattan and walked down, walked down uh, Hudson Street. And it was just insane. I saw people coming. You know, I saw the Jeffs of the world kind of walking uptown covered in soot. And, um, yeah, it was crazy. So I was actually at a safe, I mean, I was at a safe distance. I wasn't at a, at a place where I didn't see people jumping. I wasn't close enough to that. So, so I was about an, a mile and a half. Uh, north, mm. you know, the trains had stopped, and, and you know, people were walking across the bridge back to Brooklyn. You know, I hung out at the office with my coworkers for quite some time. You know, because then we heard about the Pentagon. I mean, it was you know that that moment of panic of like, oh my God, you know, the world's ending. Um, so I was at a safe enough distance, but certainly close enough um, to see a lot. The eeriest moment for for the scene when I came in, it was the last train under the first the the, the North Tower, and I came up. The, to the big concourse, the gigantic uh, uh, escalators up. And I arrived at the concourse. First, it was quiet, which is weird, never quiet. And I look around all over the concourse, and there were all over everywhere women's shoes empty. Mm. Mm. They'd run that fast out of there yeah. when it hit. Yeah. Oh, anyway, we'll, we'll go on to happier Google. That's a there. very Twilight Zone uh, image. It really was. Holy it really cow. Was. That's right what? before I was standing at the. At one more story. This will probably get me in trouble. I'm standing at the um, a block away from the South Tower on Liberty, or a little more than a block, and uh, and I'm looking up at the tower, and I'm thinking, and I don't know enough about engineering, and I'm thinking, how are they ever going to get that fire out? Like an idiot, I did, you know, couldn't me figure it out. Too. Yeah, and right, right it's like, oh, there's a fire. <laughs> yeah, there's some way they can't burn forever. How is that fire going to get out? How are they going to do it? Because of course they are going to do that. You know, when, right. when the day arrives. And I, um, a, a tourist, I'll let you guess what country the gentleman was from, but he was taking pictures he of He had everything. a camera. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and um, he came up to me and said, will you take a picture of me with a burning tower oh, in the background? Geez. And I said, oh my, oh, my God. People are dying. He said, yeah, I want to remember that I survived. Oh, boy. I said, no. <laughs> Good for you. And... 
Ten seconds later, the tower started. Oh. 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 Yeah, that was the moment. When the, when the, yeah, the first tower went, oh. Well, we're talking disasters. We'll stay with the disaster uh, mode <laughs> because, of course, there have been some horrible tornadoes in uh, Alabama and the south. And uh, Google, again, we know more than ever before. We can see what's going on. Um, on the Google blog, they posted uh, before and after pictures from um, Google Maps, satellite views of various places. Um, this is the uh, University Place Elementary School in Tuscaloosa, before and after. And when you see pictures like this, I, you know, it's the same thing as your first-person accounts, Jeff and Gina. I, we hear about these things from such a distance I don't think we we really and the same thing with the tsunami where when you see pictures the swath there's that one google picture I don't know where it is but it just showed this swath that went across that was just awe-inspiring just this long because it was because the big one was was huge and stayed there for a long time right. it's you're right it, it 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 takes it away from the single shots and google gives that global pardon me perspective right just that's yeah, that that right you, just, you see the path just that's dramatic. so phenomenal yeah yeah hard to uh hard to imagine the destructive power this remind this reminds me these pictures remind me of the tsunami yes uh yeah. the same kind of devastation it, you know and it's tempting to think wow times are worse than ever before and i don't think so i think we just can see it now yeah <laughs> right times have always been bad uh, all right, I'm going to give you something more upbeat. Um, the it's It Gets Better campaign. Gina, how did that It Gets Better campaign start? So a, a columnist named Dan Savage, um, who does, uh, or, uh, he does a podcast called Savage Love, and right. he's, a, he's a very well-known and well-liked um, columnist, started this during the time that uh, there were, like, several teenage, gay teenage suicides, like, Three or four in a row, and recently. And abuse and, and beatings and things. beatings yeah. and abuse, yeah. And Dan, so Dan started this campaign called "It Gets Better," right? Because as you know, as a gay adult, I look back to what I felt like when I was fifteen or sixteen, and <sighs> I would do anything to go back in time and just say to myself, "It gets better," because let me tell you, it does. Yeah. And so this is this is what Dan did. So he started this YouTube campaign where it was just. It was him and his partner um, just, you know, just kind of giving encouragement to gay teens. Because when you're a gay teen, you're alone, and you haven't told anyone, and you're scared, and you don't know what to do. Yeah. Uh, so we started this YouTube campaign saying it gets better, and then he, he asked other people, celebrities, regular people, to do their own clips, giving their own sort of it gets better message. Um, and he just he nailed it. You know, it gets better. Those three words, that's exactly what you want to tell teenagers yeah. and, and, your, and your former teenage self. Uh, you know, when, when you're different anyway, not just gay. When you're suffering, you know, when you're a nerd, when you're just... It gets better for everybody. Being a teenager exactly. is horrible. It is. Being a teenager is horrible. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's true. It, that's an excellent point. Uh, so, so it just it went viral. I mean, so many people did so many touching videos. There are a few that really stood out. Tim Guns was amazing. Uh, there was just like, I want to say a mayor in Texas who did one that was also wow. very, very touching. Anyway, so uh, so Google, love and actually Google staff did one, which we, I think we, we played or featured on the show yep, we did. a few episodes ago. Um, I actually have not seen this yet because I'm in New York and things have been crazy. I have DVR Glee, so I've not seen this on TV yet, but I watched <laughs> it on YouTube. Um, Google did a Chrome commercial based on featuring the It Gets Better videos, Dan's original message, and then a, a montage of other, of other messages 
basically showing how Google products like YouTube and I guess to some extent Chrome, you know, get this message across. Let me yeah. let me play it because I, I okay. think it's really worth uh, giving them a minute on uh, on Twig to see it. High school was bad. I was obviously gay, and some kids didn't like that, and I did get harassed. What I'd love you to take away from it is that however bad it is now, it gets better, and it can get great. And it's important for adults to reach out to kids and share our stories so that they can picture futures for themselves that are worth sticking around for. Okay, little ones. Here's the first thing you need to know. You are perfect and wonderful exactly as you are. You're not alone. There are a ton of us out here in this world. We love you without even knowing you. There's art to be made. And there are songs to be sung. So hold on. Look at me. It is old. It gets better with age. Listen to me. It gets better. It gets better. It gets better. It does get better. So much better. You'll be fine, partner. Your life can be amazing, but you have to tough this period of it out and you have to live. It's such a great commercial, and, and it's so classy of Google to stand back. And yes, the message there is you use the Internet to do all these wonderful things, and that's great. But it really uh, is Google handing over the front of that platform to them. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and it also was during Glee, which is like the gayest show. It's just ever. so perfect. <laughs> well, you got to figure if you're a gay teen, you're watching you're watching. Glee. No doubt. Well, right. Uh, yeah, <laughs> along, absolutely. Along with millions of other people like me. Uh, God, I'm, I'm, I'm completely choked up. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. I hate to say this, but uh, cynics might say, well, it's a Google ad. I mean, they're kind of taking advantage. Are they taking advantage of this? They did manage to get some... If, if, for those of you listening, you didn't see... There, every product used it, whereas a Google product. There's YouTube. There was Blogger. Uh, I mean, they congratulated Dan. They said this is important. It was a Google ad for sure, no doubt, right? But they were promoting Google as a platform for whatever message. You know, that, that message, the web is what right, you take it or what you want it to be. That's what they were doing. They're promoting the web as a platform and Google's tools as a platform to, 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 to make a change. Um, and, I, and that to me, you know, I, I, I love that message. I mean, that's, if I didn't believe in that, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be working on the web. So I can, I can, I can get over that, that it was a Google ad. Yeah, I think it goes beyond that. I, th I think that, that it also says that a decent company can can create tools and create the means that people can then do great things. And a decent company respects people for doing these things. And and Leo, you're right. When I saw it, I was my socks were blown off because it was just it was it's very moving and it was so impressive to see it in that form. And it's what you said earlier. It's not just you know the campaign. I don't want to. I don't want to dilute its message, which is about being a gay teenager, but it's about the trouble of being. You know, whatever you have trouble with in life, and you know what? It's, it's for adults. It's for everybody. Exactly. You bet it is. It's not just you for teenagers. And for anybody and for whom life is not perfect, it gets better. Right. And and that's the whole point of of sticking around and doing things. And 
And, you know, so many PSAs are aimed at, you know, don't bully, don't do the bad things. Right. What I love about this is it's aimed at the, I hate to use the word victim, but the, the objects of the bad behavior to say, no, you're okay and it's going to get better. And, and, and that's a really powerful message for people. And I think that Google used expensive time to basically share its time with that message is a good thing. And, and also promote that the web gets you connected to people who are like you, even when you feel like there's no one else like you and no one else that knows your experience. Like, like on the web, you will find those people. Yeah, it's, it's an ad for the internet, cool. isn't it? It, it, it is. It's an ad for the internet, yes. exactly. Yep. Well, they're doing something right. According to a Harris survey, uh, Google has the top brand reputation of any company in America. Um, a uh, Google scored a, they call it a reputation quote, quotient uh, of 84.5. That made it number one ahead of Johnson & Johnson, the 3M company, Berkshire Hathaway, then Apple, then Intel, then Kraft, then Amazon, then Walt Disney and General Mills. All in the 80s. I mean, I don't think any of those companies would feel bad being in that top 10. Uh, but uh, Google the best. I mean, it makes sense, right? It's like, did you Google it? Like, I, I need something, <laughs> and Google gives it to me. Yeah. You know, like, that's what yeah. it is. Like, I, I had a thought, and then Google filled in the blanks. The categories I mean, that they, uh, there are 30,000 people were surveyed, so it's a very large sample. Uh, they, of their opinions of the top 60 most visible companies in the U.S., the categories include emotional appeal, products and services, social responsibility, vision and leadership, workplace environment, and financial performance. Boy, I'd have to, you'd have to score Google 10 out of 10 on all those. Except maybe emotional appeal, although when you see an ad like it gets better, they're doing a very good job of scoring high there. <laughs> yes. Um, <clears throat> they were now, I think there's an emotional appeal. At Is the there? same time, Leo, the brand Z... Uh, brand value came out where they, they, they put a monetary value to uh, top 100 global brands. Google is number one again this year, has been from, since they've been doing it this for five years. It's up 14%. And they put a, uh, now I'm going to do this wrong. If, it's a, if it says 114,000 and it's in dollars and millions, is that 114 billion or is that 114 trillion? Ask the programmer. I'm just some schmuck on TV. <laughs> 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 I don't even understand the question, Gina. <laughs> oh, as soon as I heard the numbers, I went, huh? Squirrels. It's, it's worth a lot. It's worth just an incredible amount. It's a lot. A lot. Uh, oh, IBM number two, oddly, Apple number three. Um, I don't know why I put I, you get IBM in there. How do you get IBM in there? It's worldwide. It's classy. I guess so. Microsoft four, Coca-Cola five, McDonald's six. I got to point out. Oh, this is sad. Marlboro number. This is worldwide. Marlboro number seven. That's Japan. Put that one over the top. I have to say, Facebook on this Harris poll, thirty-first place, way down, but still better than the bottom of the heap. Who you want to take a guess? Who the worst? The worst companies were, the lowest-rated companies: AIG, <laughs> BP, Goldman Sachs. Citigroup. <laughs> I think you get the. I think you get the message here. <laughs> uh, and I couldn't disagree. I couldn't. I couldn't agree more with the, with that assessment. Wow. 
I mean, these are just polls. I don't think they have that much value. But I think it, I think it's fairly accurately representing the fact that Google, despite all the stuff we talk about, the privacy issues, the creepy factor and all of that, is still considered a, a quality brand. And Apple's at... Apple's fifth. Okay. And I think, uh, of course, this... I don't know if this came about at the same time as the location data or location gate, as they're calling it. Mm. The interesting thing is Apple did a really good job, I think, of saying, hey, it's not us, it's Google. It really pointed the finger. I mean, Steve virtually said that in the interview uh, with Ina Fried at uh, All Things D. Uh, he says, why aren't you guys, I hope you guys will look at the other people. And we know who the other people are. Uh, what are they doing? And, he, you know, he does make a point. Unlike, there's, there's different approaches. Google is a little more upfront to begin with about what they're doing. Uh, both of them, I would say, do exactly the same thing, we should say. I mean, this is, this is the business that they're in, is collecting information about their users to sell to marketers, um, or for other reasons. Um, but Google does tell you more upfront, but Apple has an advantage because before any program is allowed to use your location data on an iPhone, it warns you, and, that, and you can never turn that warning off. That's permanent. Uh, Apple also today put out an update uh, fixing the location bug. They claim ah. it was a bug in iPhones, a 666 megabyte download. I don't know how the Internet survives this stuff. 35 million iOS users, all of whom are going to download. Now, there, get, a, get your calculator out for that one. 666 <laughs> megabytes. Holy bandwidth. Holy bandwidth, Batman. But I do think Apple does does win the award on that one first because any time a locate now, when it turns on the microphone or camera, they don't tell me. But any time an app says, you know, any time I want to use a location, the app says, uh, well, maybe it actually now I'm doing Foursquare. I guess it doesn't do it every time. Eventually, it gives up and says, okay, I guess you want to allow it. Um, but now, um, question from an iPad noob: I need to hook my iPad up to my Mac in order to get the notification about the about the update, right? It doesn't. That's correct. Now. There's no push. Uh, yeah, so, so whatever your iOS device, yeah, you'll have to uh, connect it. And in fact, mine, it didn't uh, alert me. I had to say, check for update. Mm -hmm. Although I imagine it would have. Yep. Speaking of iPads. Yes. It's a crow moment. He bought another one. Well, yeah, I mean, I, it's the only one I have. But Actually, I have, Gina, you can't see, but I have an iPad. He's holding up an iPad. Is it a uh, one or a two? It's a, it's a two. Eileen yep. Rivera, who hosts our All About Android show and produces this show, is shocked. She, I mean, she had that <laughs> moment. She had, we're going to call it the Hillary Clinton moment now. Of, of, <laughs> she covered her mouth. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Oh, my God. Somebody please Photoshop that. <laughs> oh, they already are. Yeah, yeah. IRC channel, please. Somebody Photoshop that. Get, get Eileen in there covering your mouth instead of. Uh, well, here's, here's the pathetic thing, right? If I can show the laptop, too, I've actually walked around the house with uh, my iPhone, my Galaxy Tab, and my iPad, and my laptop. How sick is this? <laughs> <sighs> to do what? Play Angry Birds? No, I this mean, is your job now. Now that you are a full-fledged internet superstar, you must carry all of these at all times. And then you forget your charger somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and you're back to the telephone. Yes. So for those who don't know what we're talking about, uh, the, it's the very famous situation room of uh, the president and uh, secretary of state and uh, probably members of the Joint Chiefs of Staff 
uh, in the Situation Room, uh, apparently getting the news uh, that uh, Osama bin Laden had been killed. Uh, it is now uh, the second most viewed picture on Flickr in, in just about uh, what, three or four days. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, they're they're putting people from Jersey Shore in there. I don't know if you noticed uh, <laughs> on the one I'm showing you. There does seem to be a topless fellow My behind the president. My favorite the little girl from the balcony of the royal wedding is there at the table next to Hillary. Yeah, with her hands what? over her ears. Oh, my God. You know, I put this up. I thought this was the actual picture. I didn't notice <laughs> that Mike the Situation Sorrentino was standing bare-chested behind the president. That just Well, I just thought it was maybe that was uh, Chuck Norris because wasn't he involved? I love remix culture. Yeah. Yay. Isn't it great? By the yeah. way, uh, others have noticed, PC Magazine in particular, that both Vice President Joe Biden and Secretary of State Clinton use Hewlett-Packard notebook computers. I don't, <laughs> I, I don't know if we care. Uh, you know, this picture was made to edit because there's this all this blank space behind the president here yeah. that you could really do almost anything with. So, yeah, get um, ready. The meme is on its way. Although, it's such, to be honest, it's such a serious... And momentous picture. It's a picture, yeah. one of those pictures that you know you will see uh, for decades to come. A friend of mine named Rex Hammock, uh, at a blog, Rex blog, wrote about the pictures to say, why was it so powerful? And his assumption was that you're looking at the president in this moment. But then he got the original photographer's size and went around and realized that, no, it's Hillary that is the focus of the picture, that, 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 that her eyes, if you look closely at it, and her, yeah. in her expression are quite amazing. I, I think you're exactly right. Uh, that, well, yeah, what happens is you first see the president, and then, and then you go, and then you see uh, Secretary Clinton, and it it is Ooh. quite. I'm surprised I haven't seen any remixes of the pixelated piece of paper on her laptop. Or was that pixelated? Yeah, I mean, it is that's, pixelated. That's clearly yes. porn. Clearly porn. That's what you, <laughs> yes. Ah. Hmm. That looks like a map. Yeah. That looks yeah. like a map. Also looks like there's no Wi-Fi there. No, look at that. Let's overdo the semiotics. Well, in the Situation Room, you would hope there's not Wi-Fi. That would be very depressing, but they've all got their Ethernet cables plugged in. Uh, I think the White House just published a picture of everybody's BlackBerry at the, you know, at the outside of a room. Get, you know, they're getting, they were at a briefing, and I guess you have to, you know, you have to surrender your, your That's an older picture. That was posted a year or two ago uh, uh, when Obama first took uh, office, and they, they leave their Blackberries outside. That is a dramatic picture as well, yeah. If you don't follow the White House uh, Flickr stream, you should. Uh, it's, I think yeah, it's Pete Souza. I think all those pictures come from Pete Souza. He's, he's quite amazing. Um, we'll see Gina on it coming up. Me might. Gina's <laughs> going to the White House. By, uh, by last night, 3.6 million views. 3.6 million views of that uh, photo on Flickr, making it the second most viewed. And the, the first most viewed took years to get to, uh, to uh, the uh, higher number. So I have a feeling uh, this is going to be the most viewed photo of all time on Flickr. Again, another example of uh, how we're getting our news direct from, you know, in this case from the White House, which, of course, the White House loves. Yes. Because it, yeah. gets, to, it gets to control the image making. Very powerful. I, I saw some controversy on, on one of the press blogs today on Romanesco today that, that after Obama gave the speech, uh, he went back to the podium in front of the teleprompter and photographers came in to take pictures of him. Oh, really? Interesting. And people said, well, you know, it, it's staged. Like, what the hell isn't staged yeah. in it's, life? It's all staged.
Yeah, it's all stage. Sorry. Sorry. But, 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 but there is a tradition. I remember this when I worked for NBC. There's a tradition. And they, it's in the green book that they hand out to all employees that you don't stage uh, news events, that you only take pictures as it happens. At no point are you allowed to say to the newsmaker, would you stand here so I can get a better background? That's not the case anymore. Really? That's you're, no, you're the, that's, I just had, I, had uh, uh, I don't know, Inside Edition or one of those kinds of shows to come and do the death or a story today in my office here. And they're dressing the set. They're moving the stuff around behind oh, me. They're telling me to repeat no. this with that word and that word. Of course, it's not exactly NBC News. It's Inside but, Edition. Yeah. What were they asking you about? The death or thing and, and conspiracy theories. And does the Internet make it worse? Right. You know, it's, like, it's like asking me whether this was a defining moment for Twitter. <gasps> I know. It's kind, of, it's kind of sad that we need to go through this. But this is why Twitter exists, because I got so sick of mainstream media coverage of uh, technology. I just Amen, couldn't. brother. I heard you, I heard you before uh, between, the, between the two shows that you said, this show will never be on cable. No. And, <laughs> and it's a mutual, by the way. <laughs> uh, uh, they, they don't want me as much as I don't want them. So this is presumably the staged, doesn't look staged, picture after the speech. Yeah. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know. I think it's, if it's Pete Souza taking the picture, uh, boy, he's a good photojournalist. And, and, I, and I don't think that most of these are staged. No. But that's different. He's, he's, he is the White House photographer. It's his job to get uh, compelling images for history. Not, he's not a journalist. Right. I do wish, I do hope that, that there is some ethos still in journalism that you don't. Oh, well, you don't stage. Give it up, Pollyanna. Give it up. <laughs> There's nothing real. I get affronted. You know, we, uh, I think we were in a situation where um, we were about to do something, and, the, and the, the producer of the shooter said, can you do that again? I said, no, what do you, what? No. I get affronted. That's staging. I'm, I'm the last old man. Well, you know, on, on, the, on the show, uh, on the media, on, uh -huh. on NPR, Great which show. is a wonderful show. Yep. The first time I went in there uh, to do the show, the, as walking down the, the hall, the producer said, you know, I should tell you that we, um, we edit Bob, Bob Garfield. <laughs> I didn't know why he told me that. <laughs> and you get in, and Bob, God bless him, he's a friend, and, and I love him, he's very good on the show, but he fumfers through questions. Really? He changes five times around. Wow. He changes everything. And they did a great story. The correspondent who did it died this year. Great story about five years ago where they went through and, it, and confessed, this is how we do an NPR show. Yeah. You know, they call themselves sometimes sound Nazis. They are sound Nazis. They are. I, they, uh, I, they, they think I pop too other. much. They won't let me. I, <laughs> I was going to do a, uh, I think, All Things Considered, a morning edition piece and they, and with this setup. And they said, no, no, we can't use it. It's pop. You're popping too much. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. We had, I, I jumped through hoops. It took an hour. <laughs> You're pretty high standards, Leo. That's, that's Not crazy. that high. Those are the highest. But again, I think that that gets sometimes a little bit in the way of spontaneity and authenticity. Oh, it does it ever. Yeah. Does it ever? Uh, we're going to take a break. Come back with more. Gina, Gina Trapani is here uh, via phone from Brooklyn. Jeff Jarvis <laughs> via Skype from New York City, and we are talking about the Google. Somebody tweeted me, "Why don't you do a cloud computing show?" This is it. We just call it <laughs> this week at Google, but really, it's all about the cloud. 
And it's, you know, it's a lot about media. It's about how the Internet and society and, uh, and all of that. Jeff, did you get an invite to go to the EG8? Uh, yes. Good. We can, yes. we can be roomies. I, I got an apartment, so... Uh, you did? Yeah. Okay. All right, yes. So don't worry about the hotel. I still have to oh. get... I went in on the sleepover. You can come. There's, <laughs> there's, there's plenty, of, plenty of room. See you in Paris. I'm flying out uh, May 20th through the 27th. Wow, you're really going. You know why? If you don't stay over on a Saturday, they kill you. The airfare's twice as bad. And it's Paris. Yeah. <laughs> if it were Topanga Canyon, maybe it'd be a four-day, a two-day trip. I have the lot. The, 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 all my entrepreneurial journalists are doing their presentations to VCs on the 23rd. Oh. So I got to fly out that night. Oh, my goodness. Arrive that morning. Well, I didn't want to be jet-lagged. But good. Uh, uh, you just tell me what to say, and I'll... I'll be yes, bright-eyed exactly. and bushy-tailed. Uh, we're going to also talk about uh, video chat on your Android phone. It's here. Google I.O. Gina and I will be at Google I.O. We'll tell you what that is. I'm jealous about that. Yeah, see? I get to hang with Gina next week. Mm -mm. But first, let me tell you about Netflix, the great way to get movies right into your own home you know, Netflix really uh, pioneered the idea of no late fees. That's why I first became a Netflix customer in 2000. I've been a member since December 2000. And, and uh, thousands of movies later, I'm just a huge fan. DVDs by mail in as little as one business day. Uh, I have a five-disc queue. You can have as many as one to five discs. And uh, what happens is you just hold those discs so you watch the movie. Then you mail it back in their prepaid mailer. Those famous red envelopes. I used to have one here somewhere. Probably mailed it. And, uh, and then you get another movie, and, uh, and the turnaround's like a day or two. It's amazing. But you can get it even faster with the may even better Watch Instantly feature that Netflix debuted a, a year or so ago. And I, I have to say, this is getting bigger and bigger. In fact, as I look at it, almost every day I'll go to uh, Netflix.com slash twit, and I'll see that they have added more uh, first-run movies, mainstream stuff, television shows. They're just growing this thing like crazy. And the beauty of this is you can watch any of these movies right now with your Netflix account. Uh, all you have to do is go to netflix.com slash twit, and you can get this free for 30 days. Uh, I, you know, movies that I missed in the theater, TV shows that I'd like to go back and see, like Glee. Um, classics, too. Like how to get ahead in advertising. I never did see that when that came out. And I'm, I just, I die to see this. So there you go. I can watch that right now. Just press that button and I'm watching it. In fact, really the truth is it's hard to get to work sometimes because I just want to watch one more movie. How about Spinal Tap? When, <laughs> when, you, uh, when you hear them say it goes to 11, you, you, they're talking about Spinal Tap. What a great movie. Wouldn't it be fun to go home and watch that tonight? You can instantly. You could do it. You can set it up right now so that you can watch it tonight on your, on your TV set if you've got a Roku box or PlayStation 3 or an Xbox or a Wii. Many Blu-ray players even have Netflix. It's kind of the gold standard. You're not really uh, Internet connected if you don't have a Netflix account on your uh, device. Of course, your computer, too. Try it free for 30 days. You get the movies in the DVDs in as little as one business day and watch any movie. Look, I love this. Local favorites for Petaluma. They actually, because they know I'm in Petaluma, they say, this is what your neighbors are watching. They have good taste. Look what they're watching. Battlestar Galactica, all 76 episodes. Oh. <laughs> I got, I, it's time. It's time. That's kind of, that puts you over the top, huh? It's 
time for a rewatch on the BSG. Yeah, yeah. I haven't. You yeah. know what? Uh, I'm. I. I'm absolutely. I missed a few in the middle there too. My so-called life. Oh, that was a good one. Classic teen drama. Yeah, that was like the original teen drama. Spawn the whole. Twin Peaks. That was just wild. I wouldn't mind watching that again. Oh, baseball season's here. How about Ken Burns baseball? All you got to do. Oh, and the original Swedish, the girl who played with fire and the girl with the dragon tattoo. The I like the Swedish versions. They're so good, and they're really kind of dark. If you're, if you're in the mood for a dark kind of... Uh... Yeah, those are beautifully shot. I watched those on, on Netflix. Aren't they great? I love Netflix when, when you're traveling, too. Like, I love that I oh, stopped yeah. watching something on my Roku at home, and then now I'm on the road, and I just brought up my iPad and just resume, you know? It's great on the iPad, the iPhone, too, and the, uh, and the not the Android phone yet, but soon. Netflix.com slash twit. Not twig, but twit. Give it a try. I, if you have not yet a member, don't forget, uh, and I do this all the time, yeah, you could give uh, gift certificates. My mom, every year. On her birthday, she gets a year's worth of Netflix, and I think that's really great. Well, that's a good idea. Oh, it's the well, it's they do it by email. Let me see if I can find that here. Um, it's really gift subscriptions. Buy a gift subscription, so you could get a month to get it. But I just every year on her birthday, I say, "Mom," and and this is the by the way, the seven ninety nine a month is probably what I'll start doing. You, that's no DVDs, but just watch instantly. For nine ninety nine a month, you get watch instantly plus a DVD at a time. Hey everybody, Mother's Day is upon us. Wouldn't this be a great gift for mom? Yeah. And you could and see even they even mail it with a card. <laughs> yeah, I mean they email it. So that's kind of nice because you you uh, you know, dear mom, <laughs> a gift for you from Netflix. Netflix.com slash twit. Um moving right along here. Google I.O. What is Google I.O., Gina? We're going next week, right? We're going to cover it, I think. We are. We are. Google I.O. is pure awesome. That's what it is. Uh, it's a developer event uh, at the Moscone Center in San Francisco. It's next week, the 10th and 11th. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really fun. It's, it's a developer-focused uh, conference, but there's often goodies and, and announcements at the keynotes, right? right? So the first keynote is Tuesday at 9, and I'll be there. I fly in Monday night, and I fly out Wednesday night. And... Um, yeah, I'm hoping to cover it. I would love to see you. Are you going to come to Moscone Tennis? Yeah, we were going back and forth. And I think, you know, there, last year we covered the Tuesday keynote, and it turned out all the big announcements were on Wednesday. Were Wednesday, right. Right. So, right. I don't know if Google has gotten it together or not, but we are going to, I'll come for the Tuesday keynote. You and I will be there. Um, Fantastic. And then, um, we, we, may, I don't know. Should we have Tom sit in the studio and, and cover it? I guess we should. Uh, and then you and I will come out and we'll talk about it. And then Wednesday, I guess we'll cover it on uh, on this week in Google um, later in the day. But uh, right, we'll do our regular time. Do you yep. think? Yeah. Do you think that we'll see any, what what big announcements do you, do you expect? Anything? I mean, gosh, you know, I I tell you, I haven't really kept up on many of the rumors. It, you know, it's interesting. I mean, last year it was all sort of about Google TV, right? And last year Wave was still alive and well and very much present at at, at the event. This year, obviously, Wave is going to be around and. Right. Uh, I'd be interested to see, you know, are there going to be, I mean, I feel like this year is going to be all about tablets and, and honeycomb because Android is is a huge presence. They want developers to develop on Android. So I, if, if, if it goes like last year, I imagine there's going to be some Android-related announcements, hopefully, uh, maybe a new device, 
perhaps that the attendees will get. I'm not sure. That's then, every year so far they've done that, haven't they? Yeah, every year so far. And then maybe hopefully some Google TV announcements. I just feel like Google TV, you know, it launched and it's, you know, it's not so good. It was it's kind a of flop. a flop. It was and, a flop. In fact, I mean, Logitech says, well, we only sold, what was it, $5 million worth. Oof. So it was a real flop. So I this is the uh, Google I.O. official Android app. So there's a map, schedule, sessions. You can do this five days, 18 hours, 43 minutes, and 16 seconds until Google I.O. Oh, there's the even, countdown. and I like this on the app, a real-time stream. So even if uh, you can't make it there, you could download it. And uh, this is the Twitter stream and follow what people are saying about it. Uh, I wonder if they're going to have in the real-time stream video as well, perhaps. Yeah, I, I perhaps. do like the, the report is that the new Google TV is going to come out. So basically what we spent the last year is that nobody's <laughs> used Google TV. Yeah, what do I do with my $300 boat anchor then? Yeah. I mean, it really needs a market. It really needs more apps. I mean, I, I just, it, it's, it's in dire need of, of an update. But, you know, some dark horse candidates for things Google might announce. It's uh, Google's social effort. Which does refuses to die. I don't know if it's going to be called Google Me, but we keep hearing rumors about it. Some sort of unified social effort. Um, Google Music. I don't know it, uh, what happened to that. They announced that last year at Google I.O. They did. That's actually a, a, a very viable candidate for our announcement this year. I bet that would get people excited. Yeah. So, well, we'll and cover it. talk about it last year, yeah. Uh, we'll be there. And if, you know, if nothing exciting happens, you and I go out and get a plate of spaghetti. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. I get you some pizza. <laughs> Actually, I wouldn't. I'd be embarrassed to give you a California pizza. <laughs> and nothing good out of here. Even the places, there's places here like called New York Pizza. That's not New York Pizza. That's not New York. What are you talking about, New York Pizza? <laughs> Take your pizza and shove it where the sun don't shine. Oh, you're good, Leo. <laughs> I'm learning from the best. <laughs> I uh, I love the I love the conference app though. I think I've been to more conferences lately that use an app. Um, I went to the GitHub conference and they used Everybody. Conventionist, yeah, has, which is which is sort of a generic app where you can load your data in. So I really appreciate not having to deal with uh, with paper. I thought that real time yeah. stream, which seems to be mostly Twitter, but I thought that was really uh, kind of a cool idea to be able to. You know, open up your app and say, well, what are people talking about? You're sitting in the speech. I mean, we'll be using it uh, on Tuesday for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, we, uh, we have now an explanation, according to GigaOM from Eric Schmidt, about how Google hires. Actually, Eric could probably talk about how Google fires as well. <laughs> Oopsies. Did I say that? Oopsies. Um, here are some tips. Eric Schmidt passes along for getting a job with Google. Be exceptional. Um, we, you know, you've heard about the brain teasers and so forth, but Schmidt says we spend, we spent more time and pretty much ruthlessly on academic qualifications, intelligence, intellectual creativity, passion, and commitment. Commitment. You know, I, I find irony that they go, they still go after the the, the school thing. But they're when... big on academics. Which is kind of yeah. ridiculous because, you know, I argue that schools are, are, are not good at preparing people to be Google because they teach you to do the predictable thing. I agree. People who should yeah. be, they should go after a Google. I mean, this is what Peter Thiel says. Peter Thiel, you know, is offering money to people to, smart people to drop out of school. Really? Google should go after the dropouts. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's got, he's got a scholarship and the scholarship is to pay you not to go to college. <laughs> wow. Is he considered that an investment? What is it? Yeah, he thinks, you know, college ruins you. And this is very Peter Thiel, right? Yeah. 
Um, He's the guy who put half a million in Facebook and is now worth billions because of it. Not his only investment by any means, but just a good one. Uh, yeah, the Teal Fellowship, it's called. Huh. To foster the next generation of tech visionaries. I'd like to get that. Uh, I think we're too old. Oh, damn. I dropped uh, out of you, school. He can give me a little money. You can apply if you're under 20. No. Whether you're in high school, college, or not in school, and you have a great answer to one of these questions, you can get a grant for $100,000 from Peter Thiel. <laughs> wow. Good, good that's on the him. Kind of, that's the kind of F you to the Google way. Yeah. You know, Google, you got to have it over 4 that, that story says you better have at least a 3-7, says the rumor. 3-7. But I do think that they're looking um, for... Some sort of metric, because, you know, you got probably millions of people applying. You also have to have the ability to answer math questions over the phone with no calculator. Oh, yeah. I fail. Fail. I didn't even <laughs> understand the question. At least Gina got out the calculator. <laughs> Can I surreptitiously Google answers to questions? <laughs> no, Googling. My interview? <laughs> oh, but I wonder, maybe you could use Wolfram Alpha. Ah. Eric says, do your own thing. Uh, they're looking for people who don't need much management. Um, at Google, we give the impression of not managing the company because we don't. It sort of Therein has... Therein lie a few of the recent problems, yes. yeah. He says it sort of has its own Borg-like quality, if you will. It sort of just moves forward. <laughs> Maybe they need to hire a few Navy SEALs. I love Eric Schmidt. At this yeah. point, he is just... Eh, say anything. Yeah. He'll say anything. Its own Borg-like quality. Yeah, that's... I don't think comparing Google to the Borg is really a good idea, but <laughs> just kind of plays on our, you know, primal fears, that kind of thing. He says, not necessary to have a winning personality. He says, I love that one. You're going to have to deal with the odd people. <laughs> not, not every single one of those incredibly smart people is a, what we call a team player. Uh, even if people don't want them around, we still need them. <laughs> They all have the garlic pizza. Yeah. Hi, what you working on? Um, you know, it's interesting. I would, I would take someone who is easy to work with over someone who's super smart but a, a pain in the butt any yeah. day. Well, that's why you're not Google. Well, right. And that's why I couldn't even get an interview at Google when I tried back in, like, You couldn't? I, I never could heard not. that story. Yeah, oh, yes. I tried really hard through a friend who worked there. I had kind of an internal recommendation. They would not even call me. Like, it was, like, not wow. even. Wow. Did they say why? I, I mean, they no, they didn't say why. But, you know, I didn't go to an Ivy. I mean, I, I you know, I, I did well in school, but I went to a pretty, like, medi mediocre school. And I was from Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah, I'm in Brooklyn, right? But, you know, at the time, I, I didn't have a whole lot of personal projects that, that were, like, you know, that, you know if, I, if I hadn't started any open source projects, I hadn't done personal work, I, I had work experience, but I hadn't gone out really and done my own thing. So I think that's probably where I went wrong. Although, I don't know. I don't know. But, the, I mean, obviously, anybody who looks at Gina Trapani uh, would say Google made a mistake. There was an opportunity yeah, there. So this is not a perfect system by any means. The other no. thing, and I know this for a fact because Colleen, our former chief engineer, went to Google. And they said, be prepared because you're going to be... The interview process basically never ends. Schmidt said Google had interviewed some people as many as 16 times before deciding not even to hire them. They've decided now the interview process should be made in five interviews. But how many times did Colleen go back? I can't remember. But it took a couple of years and dozens of interviews. Ah, years so it took? Impressive. Yeah. 
so impressed with her persistence. She that was the, it, she lived to work for Google. And you yeah. always knew that, right? She, she, she was told me before that. I hired her, she said, okay, but I got to warn you, if Google comes calling, I'm leaving. And I said, fine. I, you know, I encouraged it. And, you know, uh, we watched as she applied again and again. And uh, it was kind of, uh, she was really had a good spirit, but it was kind of heartbreaking for me because she'd go through this long process and they and get very close. She, the, the first time she got down to the last, I think, three or four people and they declined her. And she was, I mean, she was this close. And then, but but the good news is, and this is maybe a lesson for anybody who's been applying at Google, they do apparently keep you in the system because they called back later, months, maybe a year later. And she went through another long, grueling process where you just talk to all these people. I, you know, it's, it's a, I understand it, what a challenge it is to figure out how to hire somebody. Oh, yeah. I think, and they're very engineering driven, but I think you could be too engineering driven. Yes. Video chat coming to the Android phone if you ever get 2.3.4. Uh, I guess the Nexus 1 is getting it first, or is it the Nexus S? I think it's the Nexus S. Nexus S? Okay. When? Uh, in the next few weeks. Awesome. part of the Android 2.3.4 over-the-air update. Awesome. And, and so it'll be basically like Face, Apple's FaceTime. You'll have a, uh, it'll be part of the G-Talk, and you'll have a video that'll use the front-facing phone. Sounds pretty cool. Yeah, it looks pretty cool. There are screenshots on the... Uh, but you the have to have Gingerbread um, 2.3.4, and they say they will launch it to other uh, 2.3 plus devices in the future. Um. My G2X is still 222, although I think we're going to, uh, Cyanogen's going to come on all about Android and mod it. I'm going to get, I'm going to get the Cyanogen modding my phone. Right on. Isn't that cool? That's great. Good, good on oh, yeah. Jason Howell and Eileen Rivera who booked Cyanogen on their show to mod my phone. I feel like I'm in good hands, but that we're oh, still yeah. waiting. The, the mod isn't stable yet. We'll be stable soon. I think you got to see if your next guest can uh, mod your phone. Who's my next guest? Oh, um, Captain Crunch? Yeah, no way! Yeah. Hey, hey, John, what can you do with this? Yeah, triangulation is coming up in about an hour with John Draper, Captain Crunch. That uh, he's a, he's uh, just a walking piece of computer history, is what he is. I'm a little disappointed. Oh, Google has agreed to uh, play ball with carriers who want to pull tethering apps from the marketplace. Yeah. Uh, and as uh, this is my next says, Chris Ziegler writing, this kind of violates the spirit of open access, does it not? Can't uh, Google learn now that playing with phone companies gets you in trouble? It's I, always I, bad. I hate whenever something like this happens, everyone's like, oh, how open is this? <laughs> like yeah. everyone kind of takes that, that word open and kind of throws it back. Yeah. This definition of open, meh. Uh, it makes me a little crazy. There were people talking about uh, this on Howard Forums that said, um, at least in the case of Verizon's 4G phones, blocking the tethering apps could be in violation of uh, open access regulations, Section 2720 of Title 47, which says, quote, licensees offering service on spectrum subject to this section shall not deny, limit, or restrict the ability of their customers to use the devices and applications of their choice on the licensee's C-Block network. In other words, if you sell a device that uses this network, you cannot 
restrict the ability to use applications of your choice. Unless it violates the network's technical standards, it violates uh, or regulatory compliance. But not just because you don't like it, just because it's tethering. Well, I, I, you mean, who didn't expect that this would happen? Let us, um, I'm not going to do a royal wedding story, so let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> Let us get our... Yay, Leo! I've been very good about avoiding the royal wedding. Uh, thank goodness they killed Osama bin Laden and just wiped our memory of Kate and Will's off the face of the earth. <laughs> and, and Donald Trump. And Trump. Trump. Yeah. Although I had to say I enjoyed him just sitting there simmering during the oh. correspondence dinner. Wonderful. Stewing in his own juices. And now knowing what was going through Obama's head at that moment. Oh, man. It's hard, it's hard to imagine that Obama didn't want to take a little victory lap there, you know? Hey, wait till you hear what I do tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Tune in tomorrow. <laughs> Just stay tuned. I'm not going to say. I'm not going to say, but you're going to like it. You're, you're dealing with meatloaf? I'm getting the worst man on earth. Yeah, okay. You know, Donald, you got the hair. I got the guy. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Time for our tool and tip and number of the week. Let's start with Gina Tripati and her tip of the week. Tip of the week. Somebody is listening to Twig. Um, you know, we reported that Google Video was shutting down and there was this April 29th deadline to download your video. <laughs> that April 29th deadline is no longer, and there is now an upload video to YouTube option. Uh, so they are listening. They are listening. They are listening. So you have to create a YouTube account, and um, you log into Google Video, and then there will be options to download and to send to mm. YouTube. So still got time if you got some old Google Video clips you want to salvage. This is this so. is great. This is fantastic. This is about time. Uh, though when I search for video, unfortunately on YouTube, or rather on uh, Google itself, it does not go to Google Video anymore. It only goes to YouTube. So the beginning of the end is here. In fact, I don't remember even how to get to Google Video. Is it google.com slash video? Or video.google.com? No, both give me a, a video search, which does not, which dumps me into YouTube. That's kind of, that's kind of sad. Has anybody gotten the voice, you haven't gotten the voice search? No, not yet. What's that? That's, that's exciting. They're adding voice search to the web. Oh. But in, only, a new, it, uh, in the latest builds of Chrome, I think. Yeah. Oh, it's in a beta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. HTML5 yeah, supports speech input. By the way, uh, I don't even know why they use version numbers anymore in Google Chrome, but we are at 11 all of a sudden. <laughs> they turned up to 11. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Our number, that is not our number of the week. Well, it's not. Nah, nah, nah. And Jeff's got the number of the week. 100 billion. You can guess what that is pretty easily. Uh, evidently, that's the guess number now for the valuation when Facebook goes out wow. for an IPO sometime next year. That the revenue will justify that, folks are telling the Wall Street Journal. Uh, its profit is growing at a rate fast enough to justify a valuation of 100 billion or more when it goes public. Holy camoly. And it's probably, and more, or more is probably really the, the number or more. So that would value Zuckerberg's personal fortune at $28 billion. <laughs> he's, you know, he's going to be worth $28 billion before he hits 28 years old. Yeah. And that's the new club. Yeah. You, you yeah. have more billions than your age. Yeah. If you could be in that club, 
do. What's what is Gates worth? Oh, mm -hmm. I think it's. What's, I don't. You know, it's used to be thirty-two billion. I don't know what it is. It's uh, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> An awful lot. What does it matter? What does it matter? My tool of the week actually is uh, is stripped from the headlines, and I thought a fascinating story. Uh, you remember Uber Media, which is Bill Gross's company that's been buying up Twitter clients. They own Twidroid, which was for a long time my favorite on Android, a really great client, and a few others. Uh, and, and as a result, owns something like 11% of all the tweet traffic. Uh, tried a few months ago to buy TweetDeck, which would give them a significant portion of uh, all of Twitter's traffic. 20% of the number. And, and give them an opportunity to, some think... Uh, do their own, as, as someone rumored, do their own Twitter. Um, you know, if you've got the client, you can always kind of phase it in and say, well, you can use our client to use Twitter or Uber Twitter. Your choice. Or do both. And that's a kind of be a, a very nice transition point. So I think it's widely agreed that um, when Twitter came along and offered twice as much, 40 to $50 million for TweetDeck, uh, that was purely defensive, that they have no intention of doing anything with it. I hope they don't kill it because it's my tool of the week. Uh, I, I immediately downloaded it after reading this story and tried it. And you know what? I love it. Uh, it has some really nice features on the Android phone, one of which it, it, it keeps all your tweets over a period of time. So you can go way back in time and see at the topic actually gives the time. So if I want to go back in time and find out, for instance, what people were tweeting when they found out Osama bin Laden had been caught, I can actually go back to that time after a limited period. It'll cache, I, I know this is caching 23 megabytes. It also has the famous TweetDeck columns, but you do it by sliding left or right. Uh, now, you need a fast phone. In fact, I suspect, because this is a Tegra 2, this is a very fast phone, and it still feels a little bit sluggish. I suspect this might not be something you'd want to use on a regular phone. Uh, I've been using uh, TweetDeck in Chrome. It's fantastic. In fact, you might want to take a look at uh, at, at that as well. I'll, I'll show you real quickly if I go to the... Um, I guess I have to sign into my account. I'll do it over here. Um, it, this, it's a really nice client in the Chrome browser using HTML5. I'm going to be very disappointed if Twitter kills this. It's actually maybe the best uh, Twitter client I've ever used. The Chrome version, the Android version, has some really nice features. And when you log into your TweetDeck account... It populates it with all the accounts that you've uh, you've set it up with in the first place, so I only have to set these accounts up once on one device, and then it automatically populates these accounts onto my other devices and the column settings and all of that stuff. Yeah, I really like that feature. You know, it's interesting. TweetDeck is also a Facebook client and a Buzz client and a Foursquare client, so Twitter's essentially buying a client that interfaces with a lot of their competitors. I think they're gonna. I think that I have to think they're gonna kill it. Yes. Yeah, so here's my Buzz stream. Here's my Facebook stream, and you can see you can even divide it into groups. So it's a good way of managing Facebook groups. Uh, I don't use LinkedIn anymore, but it supports LinkedIn. There's my Foursquare. You're right. And these become columns in a larger uh, view. Um, I just love it in Chrome. I, I think everybody should try it in Chrome. But it's even a great Android. I, my only concern is that in Android you might find uh, it's a little sluggish uh, because it is a, a tight, tiny bit sluggish on my uh, dual-core process. Yeah. I'm I'm filled with conflict of interest here because I'm 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 a nano investor in Uber Media. Well, I uh, love Bill Gross. I think he's I, a genius. I, Bill Gross is just great. But you know, and so so with that with that huge caveat, that grain of salt the size of Utah, is there an antitrust issue here? It does seem like a very anti-competitive thing to do. 
Um, but I, I don't see how you could regulate it because yeah, it would I presume so. a certain amount of, you know, well, they must, I mean, did Bill ever say, I'm going to compete with Twitter? Right. Well, it's the irony of, of this open world where, you know, Twitter creates this ecosystem and then sides, well, you know, on second thought, we don't like that so much. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's a very anti-competitive move. It says, well, yeah, you know, but I think this happens all the time in business. We had Michael Robertson on last week, and he told a horrific story about mp3.com. Remember, that was his service where you would put your DVD or other your CD, music CDs, in your CD ROM drive. The computer would generate a code. It would tell mp3.com, and they'd say, yeah, okay, you verified you own this. You don't have to upload it. You don't have to rip it. We'll just store it for you. On the cloud, Universal sued them and won, completely depressing the, the stock price for mp3.com, and then bought it. Yeah. And uh, at the, uh, Robertson told the story that at the uh, closing dinner, he was sitting uh, next to uh, uh, Edgar Bronfman. And, Bronf and, Bron you know, and Bronfman said, basically said, yeah, we figured we just sue you. Uh, there's no merit to the case, but we just sue you. We knew you couldn't defend it. It'd depress your stock price, and we'd snap you up, put you out of business. And and Michael says now, having been around for a few few years more, this is very common. And uh -huh. uh, and these he says a lot of what you see in litigation isn't about really about intellectual property. It's about uh, putting the other guy out of business, or doing if you've got fifty million lying around. I mean, I, I can understand why they would do that. They don't want uh, Uber Media to start a Twitter competitor. Uh, you and I might. I'd love to see a Twitter competitor. Yeah. Especially yeah. one that had some, uh, some uh, you know, network effect numbers. I thank you for being here, Jeff Jarvis. He is the professor of journalism at the City University of New York, CUNY, and the author of What Would Google Do? His blog since 2001 buzzmachine.com go there to read his first and listen to his first posts post 9-11 gina trapani is on the phone with us from brooklyn she is a blogger at smarterware.org and uh, is in she's brooklyn. powerless she ha ha no power <laughs> thanks, no power thanks, cord thanks for putting up with me while i was uh power cordless gina we it's don't care kind of the acoustic gina yeah we don't care how we get you it's gina unplugged <laughs> I don't like flying blind. I got to say, I, I like to look at you guys while we do the show. So I look forward to... Uh, to We're making season. funny faces at you now. <laughs> <laughs> well, next week I get Leo live at Google I.O. So I'm you excited. Do. Oh, rub that you in. do. <laughs> I am. I'm going to rub it in. I'm rubbing uh, it in. <laughs> we'll be, our coverage of Google I.O. starts 9 a.m. on Tuesday. Uh, uh, less, a little less than a week hence. And uh, we'll also cover it Wednesday morning and, of course, on Twig. So we'll see you then. We do this show every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific. That's 4 p.m. Eastern Time, live.twit.tv. And you can watch it live or you can download it after the fact. We have audio and video versions of the show available at twit.tv slash twig. Thank you, everybody. See you next time on This Week in Google.